بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله والله أكبر الله أكبر ولله الحمد الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله والله أكبر الله أكبر ولله الحمد الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله والله أكبر الله أكبر ولله الحمد الحمد لله What a beautiful and sunny day outside it is A day filled with joy and happiness <coughs> It is truly a great bounty and favor of Allah upon us Such a beautiful and joyous day, this day of Eid The joy of this day begins even before the advent of it when family members pre-plan taking off from work, go shopping for Eid, cleaning the house, preparing delicious food. Everyone wakes up so enthusiastically before Fajr, around Fajr, taking, taking their time, nice showers, puts on one of their best clothes, puts on one of their best colognes, itr. Heads to the masjid or musalla with so much excitement to pray and meet the community. And then one hears the lecture of the Imam stands in a row worshiping Allah among many other musallis, in a multi, in a, standing in a row among multitude of other rows. And thereafter greeting and hugging those who are our relatives, those who are not our relatives, those who are friends and those who are not our friends, those who we have good feelings for and even those who we have ill feelings for. And Thereafter, heading to and meeting family members and um, meeting those family members who we are excited to meet, those who we meet with a lot of eager, and then we have, may have some family members that, you know, we don't look forward so much to meeting for whatever reason. We're looking forward to meeting all of them. And even, you know, you may have some family members, uh, each amongst us may have some family members who we see often, so, and then we have some family members who may come from far away. But alhamdulillah, on this day of Eid, everyone gets together. It's such a beautiful and happy day. And enjoying our, and then when we're sitting at the table, enjoying our time with the relatives and the family, catching up with uh, all that we've missed since the last time we've met each other, you know, over a delicious meal. Alhamdulillah, you know, it's such a beautiful and pleasant day. And, you know, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam he mentioned in the hadith. Now, once we have kept in mind we feel that joy, that happiness uh, in this world. We just, you know, the, just imagine how happy and the joy of the hereafter would be. You know, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned in a hadith, in, narrated in Muslim, that, Wallahi, ma dunya fil akhirati illa mithlu ma yaj'alu ahadukum usba'ahu fil yammi fal yanthur bima yarji'a. He said, Wallahi, the comparison of this world and the hereafter is similar to the finger which one of you puts in the ocean and takes out. So compare that drop on the finger and compare the ocean. This world is the finger, not even the finger, sorry, the drop on the finger, and the hereafter, that's the whole ocean. Imagine how many fingertips it would take to finish that entire ocean. There's no comparison between the dunya and the this world and the hereafter. And uh, this it's just going to be some academic point here that that narration is it's, it's a assimilation assimilation of this world and the hereafter 
But if we ponder over the words, those who have some acquaintance with the hadith, they'll notice that the reason of assimilation is hidden. So for example, in this world, and, and, and every now and then, you know, when, when we say to each other, oh, he is similar to so-and-so. Let's say, for example, this person, he plays like so-and-so basketball player. You're assimilating him to the basketball player in what? Basketball. Or you say, oh, uh, that's very big. It's like that masjid there. Or it's like that other place there. Oh, there's a reason for assimilation. Oh, he's like, he's, he's like a lion. What do you mean? In, in braveness. In, in, being, uh, in, in being very very brave. So likewise, if you look in that hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam he compared this world to the hereafter, but he didn't see from one aspect. He just said that this world and in the hereafter, the comparison between the two is that finger, that drop on the finger and the ocean. So the scholars mention that the reason for this is that the, that thing in, for which assimilation was done, right, is general. It means that the, the sadness of this world is like a drop. The sadness of this world is like a drop in comparison to the sadness of the hereafter. And even the joy that one feels in this world is just like a drop of the ocean in comparison to the joy of the hereafter. And, you know, you can just, you know, apply your mind, anything. Each and every single one of us has things that we like. You know, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, our spouses, whether it's amusement, um, whatever type of enjoyment we have, whatever we look forward to doing throughout a day, you know, in Jannah, it will be the ocean much more. You know, whether it's uh, biryani, Philly cheesesteaks, smoothies, pizza, lasagna, nahari, shirkhurma, all these different things, whatever a person loves to eat, you know, the one, the, the nahari, etc. of Jannah will be much better. So, but there's one clause. The clause is that we need to earn it. You know, there's one ayat of the Quran. And in another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that How do we get Jannah? That's explained in these verses. That the one who fears standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who fears standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he stops himself from haram desires. You know, then only will his abode be paradise then only will his abode be paradise. So just like how in this world, you know, we're having such a good time, enjoying, meeting families. You know, don't we want that in the hereafter? Definitely want that in the hereafter. But again, we have to, we have to earn it. And obviously, now basically what's implied in this ayah, unlawful desires, for some it may be major sins. You know, we, each and every single individual, knows about themselves better. It could be major sins. For others, maybe they're not doing the haram stuff. You know, it could even be minor sins. But we have to ensure that each and every single sin, which is in reality the disobedience of Allah, is out of our lives. I'm not saying that it's easy. It's definitely not easy. It's not easy to leave each and every sin. But we need to have that determination. We have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us tawfiq to help us in achieving that. To try to make sure that our life is in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, there's one verse in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses a people and he says, أَمْ حَسِبْتُمْ أَن تَدْخُرُوا الْجَنَّةَ وَلَمَّا يَعْلَمِ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا مِنْكُمْ وَيَعْلَمَ الصَّابِرِينَ Do you think you're just going to enter Jannah and we, you know, and Allah, till now yet, Allah is not going to test you and not going to see those who work hard amongst you, who strive amongst you, and those who are patient? 
definitely, you know, in overcoming our unlawful desires is sometimes very hard. You know, we have to make different types of efforts. Let's say, for example, a person has a bad habit of watching something bad in his phone. He has to try to control that desire, try to move away to a better environment, more public environment, go to the living room or something like that. You know, there's different methods and there's different sins. How to tr- prevent ourselves, we know better. If we know that uh, our associating, we're intermingling with other uh, people, which are other sexes, which is causing, causing unlawful desires within us, then we have to try to ensure to stay away from that, keeping our gaze lows. Likewise, whatever sin there is, whatever sin there may be, there are different methods of trying to block it off. But the point is that we have to keep this eye in mind, that... Jannat is not cheap. Jannat is not cheap. Unfortunately, Jannat is not cheap. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that the Jannah of Allah is not cheap. It's expensive. It's exorbitant. But at the same time, it's not impossible. And this striving that we have to do, this hard working that we have to do, it's not like it's everlasting. It's for a short time. For a short time in this short-lived world. You know, just literally think back. Just think back one week from now. Put yourselves in the shoes of those people who are living in Texas. You know, Hurricane Harvey. You know, each one of us, like, each one of us here may have unlawful desires to do those very things which they plan to do. Maybe some of us, you know, may Allah save us, had intention to go to haram places over the weekend, right? It's a long weekend. Or we had uh, desires to do haram actions, to listen to haram things. You know, ask yourself that those people who are living in Texas, you know, Allah Akbar, they probably had those same desires, same intentions, like nearly a week ago. And now look at the situation. Just, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone here is aware, everyone's seen pictures of how, you know, how much water is like overcome like the whole city and how difficult it is for people that are living there now. But the point is that what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us an opportunity, has given us a chance, and you know, we, we have these bad intentions, bad niyats, just think about them. Like they also had these same bad plans, and now it's all just, you know, now they're thinking about whether they can, uh, whether they have food for the next meal or not, and how they can get out of this, this impediment, this, um, these calamities and hardships. So the point is that we don't know when we will die and we don't know how we will die. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make many, 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 many ways to take, our, take us away. Now obviously death is a bit like a, you know, a topic that not really spoken about on Eid, but it's important. No matter how much we speak about it, it's never enough. And uh, you know, this is common for all age groups. Whether it's a person who is elderly, a person who is an adult, a person who is a young man, a person who is a young woman, a person who is a, a person who is a teen- teenager, or a youngster. Anyway, so the point is that we, we, you know, each and every single one of us, we need to try and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the best of our ability to try and give up each and every single sin, whether that's major or minor. And like I've said, it's not something easy. It's not something easy to overcome. But that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to see from us. Those who are here present in the morning khutbah, you know, mashallah, mutisab, he spoke very well about how we need to sacrifice. And for us living in these times, it's more about just sacrificing our desires. 
We don't have to go through the sacrifices that the people of the past used to go through. You know, when they would say we were Muslim, they would be stoned and pelted. They would be persecuted very severely. Alhamdulillah, we don't, do, we don't go through any of that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has a different test for us. He has a different test for us. We're, so, we're living here so comf- uh, comfortably. Our test is number one, to make shukr for the different bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed for us and try to stay away from sins, not to misuse it. And the highest level of appreciating the bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to us is by using it properly. Like for example, if I gave you a towel, a really good expensive towel, and you told me thank you very much, jazakallah khairah, but then you started wiping your shoes in front of me, then how would I feel about it? Like he said thank you very much, but he's not really appreciating it through his action. Likewise, the bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us, the hands, the eyes, the nose, the feet, we have to use it in a way that the giver is, a, is felt that, wow, he's really appreciating it. And how is that? By using it in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So nevertheless, keeping in mind that ayat, أَمْ حَسِبْتُمْ أَن تَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ وَلَمَّا يَعْلَمِ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا مِنْكُمْ وَيَعْلَمَ الصَّابِرِينَ It's an ayat we need to keep in our minds every, every day, every moment of our lives. That do you think you'll enter Jannah and Allah has not yet tested you? And Allah has not seen your, you making effort and being patient over what you're, what you're going through? And we should not think we can't do it. Each and every single one of us can do it. That's just shaitan deceiving us, telling us that we can't do it. And one is that hardship that we make to try to leave that sin. It's not like it comes without benefit. You know, there's one Sahih narration in, 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 in Musnad Ahmad that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that Man taraka shay'an lillahi khayran minhu. That if we leave something for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will replace it with something which is better. Whatever it may be, whatever sin that we have a bad habit of doing, you know, if we are sincere in our attempt to leave it, and we bear this hadith in mind, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will replace it with something which is better. Maybe we'll get that same enjoyment from something else. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's the one that created everything, and He created the enjoyment in those things. If a person has, gets enjoyment from you know, some haram action, I don't want to be specific, right? But let's say, for example, he watches really bad movies, for example, which has a lot of immodesty, a lot of music, etc. And a person is earnest and sincere in trying to leave it out for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala will find another activity for him in which he will find delight and pleasure. And likewise, you can think any other sin that we are doing, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make ways. You know, it was so, uh, just like how today it was so beautiful walking into the masjid and there were so many rows and sufuf for Fajr Salah on a weekday, subhanAllah, on a weekday. Likewise, it's not impossible for something like that to happen every day. This shows that we can do it. There are many things, you know, we just tell ourselves we can't do it, but we can do it. Uh, and we should never let shaitan get to us. And, you know, it was very beautiful walking in the masjid, seeing the chandeliers on and all the other lightings on. And it was just such a beautiful environment, you know, Allah Akbar. But honestly, it's not the chandeliers, it's not the carpet, it's not the lighting which makes the masjid beautiful. It's you all people. It's all you people. You're the beauty of the masjid. You're the zinat of the masjid. It's not the lighting. It's not the chandeliers. So, in, inshallah, maybe each and every single one of us, we can try our best to try and improve our lives, try to be there regular for salat. Obviously, the essentials of deen. You know, one more point I just wanted to elaborate on. Uh, 
that Eid Salah is not fard. Eid Salah is not fard. Don't get me wrong, it's a very important prayer. It's wajib. According to other sunnah, but it's wajib. And it's a very important prayer. But keep in mind one thing, a million Eid Salahs, a million Eid Salah is not more important than one fard Salah, one Fajr Salah. A million of Eid Salah is not more important than even one Fajr Salah from a jur- jurisprudential aspect. Because a Fajr Salah is Fard. Eid Salah is not Fard. It's a very important uh, point to keep in mind that, mashallah, a person may be always punctual in his Eid Salah, but like, the more important thing for him to do, he's not punctual with. So, nevertheless, uh, when we live our life in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, and we start uh, enduring hardships, and I mean, when I mean hardships, I mean that, that difficulty in trying to stay away from sin and trying to do good actions, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create this something called sweetness of iman. Now when a person, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said in a hadith that there are three things in which a person, if he possesses, he will find the sweetness of iman. The first of it being that the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the love of His Messenger overpowering any other love. And that entails that we make our lives accordingly. That we do something about our love. Not just that we uh, say that we love Allah, say that we love the Prophet, and not you know, still do those things which if, they were, if Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi was alive, he would disapprove of and he would not be happy with. The second is that we have love for a person solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How you do that? Have pious company. You know, your pious friends, pious circle of friends that you hang out with. Try to spend more time with scholars. Be in the environment of the masjid. And the third thing is that you dislike kufr. You like you dislike kufr. I mean, this is very. This is a bit rare, you know, for us to, for it to happen. That a person he wants to become a kafir after becoming a Muslim. But inshallah, that's not there among many of us. But the first two is very important. That the love of Allah subhanahu wa taala and the love of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam overpowers any and every other love. And the second one is keeping ourselves in a good group. Nabi sallallahu said, when a person has these things, then he will find the sweetness of iman. Then. Not all, then every second of his life will be Eid. Every minute of his life will be Eid. Every hour of his life will be Eid. Every week of his life will be Eid. Every month of his life will be Eid. It's like a just different feeling. Living your life in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Completely. Not just 50-50. If you don't believe me, try it out and see how it feels. Inshallah, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. Inshallah, I'm, I have intention to try to get there someday too. But nevertheless, uh, that's, that's mainly what I like to speak about. And finally, I just wanted to mention one thing before wrapping up, is that regarding the takbirat of Eid. So after, as many may know that after every fard salah, it's wajib at least once to say the takbirat loudly. And uh, we should try our best to raise our voice. It comes in, a, there's a narration of Bukhari that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he would say the takbir in his tent. And then those around him would hear it from his tent and read the takbirat. And then those around that tent, from the people from the market, etc., they would hear the takbir and everyone would say takbir very loudly. And it would be to such a degree that the whole city would echo with takbir. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, 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 Allahu
say the takbir as loud, not like super screaming very loudly, but you know, when we were in the, we were in the Fajr Salah, like when the Imam was doing takbir, the people, like it was a very low sound. For the men's side, it should be loud, very loud. It should feel different. The environment should be, uh, you know, echoing with the, with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the takbir of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The people on North Avenue should feel like a spiritual vibe emerging from Darus Salaam. That's how it should feel. But inshallah, that's mainly what I wanted to say. Please pray your